And I was encouraging to spend last week at the house party with most of you. And one thing that we touched on was the idea that we're not in control of our lives, as was mentioned before. And I want to show you a video that kind of illustrates this idea. This dude is trying to trade up from a penny to a PS5 to a Tesla. And he can only trade, okay? So he's trading a BMW for a Rolex. Okay, this is what happened then. And the summary of that was, it took him ages to get up to a Rolex from a BMW, and then essentially the dude said it's a fake. And it's worth practically nothing, right? And so here's a guy, he thought he was in control. He worked all his way up, he was on a plan to get to that Tesla, he was halfway there, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, complete surprise, all that effort of trading just kind of faded away. And I think we can make these kind of plans for our lives. We grow up and we have dreams and we pray, we replace a dream of like a ballerina or a firefighter for like maybe an apprentice, a degree, a job, a family. And then we study 24-7 thinking we can get ahead, better life, make that money, and then get the right degrees. Maybe we can finally make it in the end. But as we saw in my talks from House Party, death shows us that we're not in control. One day a doctor will likely tell you some heartbreaking news that you're about to die or you're very sick and then we realise how little control that we have. And in this talk I want to show you we don't need to despair about our future because God is much bigger than we think. And we begin to see this in Genesis 1 where we learn that a powerful God created the world from nothing. Next slide. So there's a popular myth that everything was created by chance Accidentally. God has revealed to us the truth from Genesis about what actually happens. And it's in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Now, firstly, a lot of people say Genesis, particularly Genesis 1 and 2, poetry. Hand up if you've heard that before. Genesis poetry. Genesis 1 and 2. Some of you? Okay. I want to tell you, as someone who's actually studied Hebrew at Bible college, it's not poetry. It's historic narrative. That just means, just like the Gospels, right? Talking about real events that happened in history. Now, whether we understand the length of the day as being six literal 24-hour days, or <coughs> periods of time, like the six days are kind of like, uh, like give us an example of what a working week looked like for the Israelites, right? Regardless of what you think about the length of the days, God teaches us something about himself, multiple things about himself, and that's the primary thing we're wanting to learn from this passage. Now, what's the oldest magic trick in the book? Anyone? Yeah? I'm pulling a rabbit from a hat. Yeah, okay. Pulling a rabbit from a hat. Now, this trick, why does it astound people? Because we think the hat is empty, and then magically a bunny appears out of the hat. Well, God is the greatest magician. Because we know we can't get something from nothing. We know that bunny has to come from somewhere. But God creates the hat and the bunny in Genesis 1. Simply by saying a word. Genesis 1, if you've got your Bibles open, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Boom! Universe, Big Bang, however you want to understand it, in a moment, God created it. Out of nothing. We had a beginning. There was a first cause. Something existed before the physical universe. Intelligent mind gave life to all intelligent things. And Christians believe that intelligent mind was God. Now, if you got to the moon, let's just say Elon Musk, or maybe you in the future get to the moon, you see a wrapper from a McDonald's hamburger, 
you see letters from an alphabet, you immediately know there's information there. And logic tells you, somebody must have made this wrapper, right? There's life, in the same way there's life, intelligence, DNA, because there's a life giver. Now imagine the following scene. God's sitting in heaven, and a scientist says to him, Lord, we don't need you anymore. Scientists finally figured out a way to create life out of nothing. In other words, we can do what you did in the beginning. Oh, is that so? Tell me, replies God. Well, says the scientist, we can take dirt and form it into the likeness of you and breathe life into it, thus creating man. Well, that's interesting. Show me, says God. So the scientist bends down to the earth and starts to mould the soil. No, 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 he trusts God. Get your own dirt. The point is, God created everything out of nothing. No one else can do that. Only the existence of God can explain DNA, life, everything from nothing. All we can do is really reshape what's already existed. So creation is a miracle. God created everything out of nothing. The second thing we learn is, God is really powerful. If God created everything out of nothing, He must be really powerful. Interestingly, modern science actually came from Christians looking at the world. At the heart of all science is the conviction that the universe is orderly, which makes no sense in a random, accidental, chaotic universe that came back by chance. It requires a God who makes laws. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series, said, Men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. In other words, science came out of a Christian understanding of things. And we see this order all throughout Genesis 1. In verse 2, you've got your Bibles open. Now the earth was formless and empty, and God gave it order and purpose. We see this in the pattern of creation. He formed creation on days 1 to 3, and I've got a little slide coming up. This group of things may be called containers, where God creates the space or the place of habitation. Then he fills the creation on days 4 to 6. This group of things can be called fillers. These are the inhabitants of that space. Now I want to focus in on how powerful God must be to create an orderly universe like this. In verse 16 we read, focusing on one thing in particular, God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God made the sun, the moon and the stars and he put them exactly where he wanted them to be. Now let's just stop and focus in on the fact that God made the sun and stars. Because I don't know how much you've done this when you've read this passage. Imagine the earth is this golf ball, okay? The sun is a million times the size of the earth. If the earth is the size of a ping pong ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. The sun is so big, you can put 960,000 earths inside of it. 960,000 earths. That's enough golf balls or ping pong balls to fill a school bus entirely. Now the sun is just one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Let's just amp it up a little bit. On the screen you can see a star Betelgeuse. It's 427 light years away from us, twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. So if the Earth was this ping pong ball, 
Beetlejuice would be the size of six Empire State buildings stacked on top of each other. You could fit 252 trillion Earths inside Beetlejuice. So if the Earth was a ping pong ball, that would be enough golf balls to fill the largest stadium in Sydney 3,000 times. That's big, but the star Mu Kefi used to be called Herschel's Garnet. If the Earth was a golf ball or ping pong ball, Mu Kefi would be the width of two harbour bridges end to end. So you could fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside that one star. Okay? To give you an idea of one quadrillion, one quadrillion seconds ago would be 38,800,000 years ago. Okay? Now, that's pretty big, but we can go bigger. The largest star that scientists found so far called Canis Majoris. If the Earth was this ping pong ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest, almost six miles above sea level, which is the highest point on the planet. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. Seven quadrillion Earths. That's enough Earths if the Earth were a golf ball or a ping pong ball to cover the entire state of New South Wales in golf balls, 22 inches deep. What I want you to understand is God put each of those stars exactly where he wanted them in our sky that they might give light to us. He hung them with a word in a moment. God is really, really powerful. He's really big. Therefore, if God's that powerful, God's in control. Why does God want us to know he's really powerful? He wants us to know he has complete and total control over everything. I'll give you examples from the Bible. Psalm 2 says the nations are under God's control. Matthew 4 says God is in control of Satan and evil spirits. Genesis 50 verse 20 says God is in control of the evil plans of wicked people. Isaiah 45, 6-7 says God is in control of the bad things that happen to us. Therefore, Isaiah 46 and Ephesians 1 says God's plan cannot be stopped. There's no accidents in your life. Nothing has been left to chance. Your grades, the place you're at for school, the family God has given you, Every phone call in the middle of the night, every report from the doctor has been sent to us from God who sees all things, plans all things, but more importantly, loves us more than we know. And this is comforting when we realise we are children of our Heavenly Father. God's plans are always for us and never against us. When we get to Romans 8.15, God says, we are all adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus. And therefore, verse 28 says, We know that in all things God works together for the good of those whom He loves, to make us like Jesus. God's using all things for our good. I think this is a great comfort when we're faced with hard times, like when we have a falling out with friends or a family member gets sick or we're struggling at school. And when we feel like God either doesn't care or he mustn't be in control of our life. One way to think about God's control of all things, if you think about the 8 billion or whatever people on the planet, there's a story that claims that a butterfly is fluttering in China 
can be magnified through a ripple effect so as to determine the path of a hurricane in the South Pacific. It's called the butterfly effect. Yet no one would be able to calculate and predict the actual effects of a butterfly's flight, right? It's too crazy, it's just a butterfly. It's just a small thing that happened. Everyone's going to forget it. But what if everything that happens has ripple effects that God is using to work some greater purpose in our life? So just because you can't see a reason in what's happening, maybe in the hard times in your life, doesn't mean a reason can't exist. How many of you have watched Harry Potter before? Most people. There's a pivotal moment in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince where Professor Dumbledore says, Severus, please! Now Dumbledore, surrounded by enemies, pleads for help and Snape kills him. I know. The scene, the scene is devastating. Snape betrays his mentor. But, and this is a spoiler alert, you probably want to cover your ears if you don't want me to spoil Harry Potter movie. It's not until the last Harry Potter book that we realised how wrong we were. Harry finds out that Dumbledore had asked the snake to kill him when the moment comes because he was dying from a curse. Suddenly we see Dumbledore's plea and Snape's action in a new light, and so it will be on the last day with all our suffering, God's true purposes will be revealed. Much of our anxiety comes from the belief that we must be in charge of our life, we must control our circumstances, but what we find here in this passage today is no. Death puts an end to all our plans, but God is so much bigger than us. He's been able to manage everything in our lives. He doesn't take a day off, so stop trying to manage everything. Remember, God's always at work. He cares for us, and He wants to make us like Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that through Genesis 1, we get to see just how big you are in making the entire universe. But in particular, you made us as the centre of your plans. You love us, and because you're so powerful, you're able to work everything for our good. So help us not to be anxious, but to trust you even in the hard times, knowing that you have a good purpose in the end. In Jesus' name, amen.